podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we've got interviews, podcasts, series, content on various subjects, including mental health, football, films, serial killers, conspiracy theories, writing, music, MMA, and more. All our shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation and their audio at all the usual podcasting platforms. Today's show is uh, my favorite kind of show. It's a little bit different to the usual format. It's episode number seven in our Unscripted and Uncensored series, where I have no real run-through, no script. It's just completely unedited, uncensored. Uh, we just have some talking points, some subjects or questions sent in by the people. Twitter, Facebook, email. Just uh, should be a lot of fun. Maybe go off the rails, probably go off on some tangents really fast, but uh, it's good. Bit of conversation. Um, just before I introduce my guest for today, I'll just do the quick plug. Today's show is brought to you by Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. Football, music, and weekend carnage high on the agenda. They aim to bring you some exclusive products. They're edgy, controversial, but most importantly, current. From t-shirts, polos, shorts to hoodies, jackets and accessories, stick with them, and they aim to bring you terrace wear that will turn heads and provide that cutting-edge look that we all crave. So... You will have seen my guest today dominating in cage warriors all over Europe. He was dubbed the hottest prospect in the UK by the UFC boss man, Dana White. And uh, he made his UFC debut in Copenhagen with an impressive win. It's uh, UFC bantamweight Jack Tankshaw is here with me today. Welcome, buddy. How are you? All good, mate. All good. Happy to be here. Uh, looking yeah. forward to um, some funny questions. Just see where we go. See, see where it takes us, mate. That's the, 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 the that's what I like about this. Is like I got my like my normal intro and my plugs, and then as soon as I've introduced you, it's just a free for all, and it just goes where it goes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's good. We had, we had a few different guests for these shows. We had um, Welsh boxer Gavin Gwynn, former MMA fighters Lee Remedios and uh, Danny Bratton. Roger Giggs came on. Uh, Alan Jones of Away Day Apparel as well. And uh, plus your fellow Welshman and UFC fighter, Brett Johns, which hasn't come out yet, but by the time this comes out, it'll be out. Um, we also had a special mini version with uh, the lead singer of Shed 7, Rick Witter, which was a lot of fun and uh, a good, interesting chat. So that's the format. Got a lot of questions. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's get this mother started. So what I like to do, Jack, is before I just kind of list off a load of questions and do it like that. I prefer it to be more of a kind of conversation and we'll just see where it goes and talk and whatever. So I'd like to start off by having the guests tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about them. People maybe who are not familiar with you or whatever, uh, like where you're from, where you grew up, siblings, you know, basically how you ended up where you are today, mate, really. <laughs> yeah, so um been, been sort of fighting and training all my life then, started really young, uh, six years of age. Progressed then into MMA at about 11 or 12 when my father uh, started my gym, Tillery Combat, uh, was now known as um, Show MMA. Uh, competed in everything, pretty much boxing, kickboxing, kumite, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, amateur MMA, 
um, and now obviously pro MMA. So been about the block a little bit. Um, fought on Cage Warriors as a as a early on in my pro career before going to the UFC. I won the Cage Warriors world title. I've also won the I was the first person to win the IMAF European title, uh, which was four fights in three days. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm quite uh, quite well versed then, I suppose, in uh, in what I do. Um, yeah, I come from a little town called Appleary up in the valleys. Probably most people only know it as the place where me and Jack Marsh were from. Other than that, I don't think it's uh, it's famous or anything else. We had half decent rugby side a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's about it. So. Um, Hopefully in years to come, he'll be a little bit more well-known as he's had a little, little bit of exposure over the years. So, yeah, that's, that's about it. So, you started MMA fighting quite young then, really. You were training. Did you say you started training about 11, 12? Yeah, so I did a bit of kickboxing and um, traditional jiu-jitsu from sort of age 6 to 10. Um, <clears throat> didn't knock it on the head for a year. I was just, you know, was like in the, in the, in the valleys, a young kid, your football and your rugby. And then, obviously, my father opened his own gym, so... I was down there every night, tra- training my men from 12, 11 years of age. Uh, broke me up tough, obviously, but uh, <clears throat> looking back, it probably probably did me a lot of favours. But yeah, I, I've been training in MMA, so I'm one of them new, new breed of fighters who, I suppose, rather than, than was elite in a certain discipline and then crossed over to MMA, I just I was in it from the beginning. That, that, was, that was my style. Um, I had my first fight then at, at 17, so been in it a long time before even jumping in and, and, and having a fight. Although I was competing elsewhere, there's nothing sort of nothing compares then to um to, to stepping in the cage and doing it. It's a little bit more intense. The atmosphere, obviously, with the crowds for for a young kid at the time was a little bit daunting. But uh, it was it was something I had a big buzz off, something I always wanted to do. And then after that first fight, it just uh, it just cemented in my head what 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 path I was going to go down. Despite being a chubby seventeen year old, um, it, it was something that I thought, let's you know, this is this is a bit of me. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, years ago, so, like, I'm 38, but say, like, when I was a bit younger, like, my sort of early 20s, late mid-20s, a lot of UFC fighters and MMA fighters, they was, like, specialised in, like, jiu-jitsu or, you know, grappling or whatever, wrestling, whatever it may be. They was more, they were good at one, really, like, elite at one thing, and then everything else just kind of took a back seat. But these days... Like the like you like you just said the the new newer breed of fighters they good at everything, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why the 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 level of like at the very top is so so high, because all fighters can do all kind of disciplines and styles to a pretty good even even some of the fighters who are perhaps you know they're not like a brown belt or a black belt in something they're they they're still pretty well versed in even the things they're weaker at so it's you know it's hard i like obviously i'm not a fighter but i'd imagine it's very very difficult to get to the very you know very top of the obviously you've made it to the ufc now and the next uh you know the next target i'd assume is to get up into that you know top 10 and challenge for titles but it's it's a big competition isn't it? there's uh, so yeah, many top fighters the uh, like you said, the level, the level of the the game as a whole is just going up and up and up all the time. Um, you know, if you look back five years ago, the the top fighters today would probably dominate the top fighters of even five years ago. And, and realistically, you know, five years is not that long ago. The fighters today compared to sort of ten years ago, then it's a different story again. Because like you said, um, before sort of GSP, then 
most fighters were sort of striking specialists or grappling specialists or wrestling specialists. They always had a weak area. Whereas now, you know, you have the occasional guy like Damian Maya, I suppose, who's an elite level grappler. Um, you know, people like Ben Askren then who came into UFC as an elite wrestler. But you know, the the game is moving that fast. You've got to really be world class or, or, or on the verge of world class in every area. I mean, look at Ben Askren is a good example. There's a lot of like about him for years. Elite level wrestler, all he did was wrestle, came to the UFC. Um, you know, he had a dodgy win against Robbie Lawler and, and then, then two, you know, big losses. So it shows that you can't just have that, that one area of expertise anymore. You've got to be well versed everywhere. You've got to be able to strike. You've got to be able to grapple and you've got to be able to wrestle. You know, especially as you're progressing up the ranks, there's, there's guys who are, you know, elite level strikers who, who can take you down as well. or vice versa, elite level wrestlers who are comfortable on the feet. So you've got to be able to fight everywhere. You've got to be able to, I suppose, adapt on the day, adapt in the cage, as well as, you know, having, having all them skills behind you in the gym. You've, you've, it's one of them sports. It's, it's always growing. It's still relatively young. So I think that's why we're seeing so much progress now. People are starting to work out that, you know, it's easier to sort of get your kids into MMA from a young age then rather than have them become a boxing specialist or a jiu-jitsu specialist. And then, at sort of 15, 16, try and make the crossover. You know, now, now kids, there's kids in my gym training from six, seven years of age to, you know, to wrestle. They do, they don't mean they're not like fighting or anything, but they're doing their jiu-jitsu and they're doing their wrestling and they're doing their striking. So when the time comes that they're old enough to jump into MMA, they, they've already, they're already well-versed in every area. Yeah, I was going to say, so do you reckon like over the last sort of five, five years plus, there's more and more kids coming to, do the MMA training rather than going to like boxing clubs or you know whatever whatever it may be like or karate or whatever. Do you think there's more kids interested in MMA now than ever before? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, it's it's a it's a it's arguably you know one of the fastest growing and and, and one of the I think um, I've seen online one of, one of the only in America especially the the only sport that's out that's pulling in more views than um, than the UFC you know online is the NFL so. It's obviously it's obviously growing fast, especially over there. I think we're catching up a little bit now. Um, you know, with the likes of Conor McGregor, then who's brought a lot of spotlight on it the last couple of years in UK and Europe. Um, and obviously, now in Wales, you've got me, Jack, uh, Brett, and John all in the UFC. So I think more, more kids over here now are, are switching on to it, and, and it's it's more it's more in the public eye now. So parents are seeing you know the, the sport for what it is. It's not it's not just two two men jumping in a cage and, and fighting. It's got that traditional martial arts value to it as well, as well as the sport aspect, you know, the point scoring and, and the rankings and stuff like that. So it's definitely taken off, especially with the youngsters now, whereas I suppose even just speaking about Wales, whereas before it was only football, rugby and boxing, there's a lot more avenues now that kids are going down. You know, jiu-jitsu jiu classes, not just in my gym, but across gyms all over Wales are, are packed to the rafters. So it's only a matter of time, I think, before, you know, they, they sort of give it a governing body to a sense where, you know, it's going to get government funding as well and then you'll really see it take off. Yeah, it'd be good to see that because I think there is still some some ignorance towards it in certain parts of, like, the media and stuff. Like, every now and again, when they, especially if there's been, like, a brutal knockout at a big show or something, you'll see, you'll hear on, like, talk sport or something, they'll be... They'll be kind of slagging off MMA and UFC and saying I was you know it's brutal and you know there is points where it is brutal but like it's very technical as well and it frustrates me because they they kind of try and paint this picture of it's like um 
like old school kind of cage fighting and they, they kind of try and link it to like like old school bare knuckle boxing as if it's like this shady thing in a cage and it, it, it bugs me because it's not you know it's a very 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 technical sport which takes a lot of dedication and training particularly you know to reach the top level but even just to be a good pro and win fights it takes you know training day in day out and I feel like the the ignorance towards it takes away from the dedication which the fighters like yourself and and others you know show on a daily basis yeah again like you said a lot of it is ignorance um like I, I don't know the exact numbers but I know statistically there are less concussions then in, in MMA compared to boxing compared to rugby compared to American football so I mean like you said I think it's because in essence that there is two men fighting in a cage People struggle to look past that, but the, the reality of it is, um, you know, there's a lot less injuries. For me, for me to, to qualify then to have a fight, even before I went to the UFC, for me to be medically cleared for a fight, I had to pay over a grand and a half in, in medicals, you know, brain scans, art scans, blood tests, physicals, um, eye tests, you know. So people who just think it's, it's just two men jumping in the cage and, and pounding on each other, it doesn't work like that, you know. The way I always look at it is in, in boxing then, and, and I'm a massive boxing fan, I'm not slagging boxing off at all because, you know, I've always been a massive boxing fan. But in boxing, if you get knocked down, as long as you get up at the count of eight and, and the ref thinks you're all right, you know, you can potentially go on to, to take another 30, 40 shots before the ref will jump in. In MMA, if you get knocked down with, with the small gloves and, and someone follows up, you know, very rarely is it ever more than five, ten shots max before the ref will jump in and stop it. So I think statistically you're probably looking at less less sort of sort of damage than than um than, than boxing and the other sports. Um the thing with MMA as well is you know, is is a little bit different to boxing in the sense of with boxing some guys will have twenty or fifteen, twenty fights before they actually, you know, fight someone of their level and their calibre, they build this up that way. Whereas in MMA you turn pro and, and it's it's a matter of one one fight, maybe two fights against a journeyman or so, just to get yourself, you know, used to the pro rule set, and then it's, you know, you you start being evenly matched. So I think you see guys move up the ranks quicker because they're fighting tougher tougher opposition earlier, so they're progressing quicker. So the, their careers are not as long. So in essence, they're probably not taking as many shots over a course of, say, fifteen years than than, than some of the boxers are. So it's also for course. I mean, it's just ignorance, you know. If if you can accept boxing and rugby and the dangers of that, then there's no reason why you can't accept MMA. Yeah, no, spot on, mate. Um, and like obviously going back to like what we were saying about like what the Welsh fighters at the moment in in boxing and MMA, there's like quite an exciting time for you know in the next couple of years could be really special for for Welsh combat sports because you've got like guys like yourself and John Phillips and Brett and Jack Marshman, and then you've got like Cody Davis and. Gavin Gwynn on the boxing side and some others. Is there um, any other kind of fighters for either Wales or Britain that you were uh, kind of excited about yourself over the next couple of years, making that sort of step up? Uh, yeah, starting then with, with the MMA, there's, there's a lot of top guys coming through now. Um, Oban Elliott is, uh, is a big prospect coming up at our gym. We've got amateurs, you know, um, Jack Tucker, Jordan Peake is another one who just turned pro. All, all guys are excited about um, Lockdown at Swansea, there's guys like Aidan James, Scott Pedersen, who are all coming through the ranks. Uh, Mason Jones is another one. Um, so 
you know, the, the Welsh MMA scene is only going up and up and up since the boys have gone to the UFC. So there's a lot of prospects coming through. Um, not even prospects, a lot of guys were on the verge of breaking into the top European scene, you know, and then the next logical step for me is to, is to look to break in the UFC. So we're stacked, we're stacked with the rafters. And I mean, there's kids now in the gym, 15, 16 years of age, and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you know, in, in when they're my age in eight years' time, they, they're going to be frightening. There's, there's going to be kids coming through now, you know, we're at that generation where in 10 years' time, there's going to be kids that are better than, than, than any of us that are about now. Yeah. So it, it is an exciting time. Boxing-wise as well, you, you look, I think Welsh boxing now is is probably as stacked as it's been for a long time. You've got, like you said, you know, Cody and Gavin Gwynn. Um, Joe Cordina I'm a massive fan of as well. You know, yeah. he's, he's British champion. You know, Liam Williams is two-weight British champion. Uh, Chris Jenkins. There's a young kid, Owe Gary as well, who I train with, Reese Edwards. Like, he's got all the makings of, of a world champion. Like, he's 9-0. and he, so He's just turned 19. And uh, he looks like he's going he's gonna to be the next one as well. So, but between boxing and MMA, I, I think the, the fans of combat sports in Wales are going to be spot for choice now over the next five, ten years. And, and, and even pushing on longer now with, with the, the next generation coming through as well. It's, it's stacked full of talent, stacked full of exciting fighters. You know, there's no one, there's none of those guys I've just named where you watch them fight and think, yeah, well, you know, they're a good fighter, but they're not great to watch. They all put exciting fights. And I think it's something about the Welsh. They just, you know, we're never really in a boring fight enough. No. Right? Um, if we can avoid being dragged into a ball fest, we will. So, like I said, MMA and boxing the next couple of years, if the, the fans are really in for a treat, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, no, you're right. Well, what, like the Welsh, is, you tend to see more like they just get into it, like blow for blow a lot of the time. If it's like striking fight or it's very rarely like um, like the Joshua fight on the weekend, which I thought Joshua, he did what he had to do. He won the fight comfortably and he, he, he showed that he was so much more technically like a better boxer. And yeah. it's, sometimes it's not about like, knocking someone out in, you know, the first, second, third round. Sometimes you've got to box clever. And um, I saw loads of people, like, after, straight after the fight, who seemed to think that they, you know, sat from their sofa no better than the six-foot-six heavyweight boxing champion of the world or whatever. But <laughs> yes, it's... Yeah. Uh, and another one I, did, I forgot to mention is Lewis Long. He, he flies in the radar a bit, Lou, because he's, he's with Bellator. I mean, he's the only Welsh guy signed about, though. He just picked up a win, so... He's the first Welsh guy to fight and, and win on a Bellator card as well. And Bellator, you know, are a massive promotion as well. So, Lou's been leading the charge like Brett and Jack and John for a long time. I grew up watching them for, you know, when I was an amateur, they, they were all at the top level at the European scene. So, you know, they're still pushing on and, and they're still fighting at the top level as well. Sorry, what was his name? Lewis? Lewis Long. Lewis Long, I like because I'm going to speak. I'm speaking to uh, Tom Mearns from Bellator later on, so I'll ask him about Lewis. Yeah, Lewis a character as well. He's um, you, he's not your stereotypical fighter. You know, he doesn't try to play the the tough guy card. He's just a he's a quirky, funny guy, and um, you see him at the weigh-ins. You know, he gives he pulls him in for a nugget at the weigh-ins. He's all smiles. He's all happy to be there. So uh, Lewis a character as well. I think he just he doesn't always necessarily get the the exposure that some of us have is get, you know, because he's on that, that Bellator scene. But, you know, I, I think people, now he's got that win and he's fighting again in February, people will start um, clicking on how good Lou is as well, as yeah. well as you know, Brett, Jack, John and myself. Get him get him on here, I'll have him on. Yeah, get him on. You have, have a fun time with him, let me tell him. He's, he's a special guy, Lou. <laughs> yeah, I'll have, I, um, 
because like I had Gavin going on, and obviously I had Brett on, who's that show's coming out now. And uh, me and Brett, well, we were on, we were on there for Skype for like two hours. <laughs> we forgot we were doing the show, like we were just chatting for ages. Like, but it was it was a good show though. Yeah, um, yeah, it was just good. So I, what I've done with these questions, I tried to bunch them all up, so right. they're kind of like all the MMA questions and and then some of the other stuff. Right. So the first one is just nice and simple. Who do you want to fight next? I mean, I get that question a lot, obviously. I, like, I keep telling people, when I was in Cage Warriors, I was sort of a big fish in a little pond in the sense of I was the top of the division. So I was felt for choice. Everyone was calling me out left, right and centre. Whereas now I've moved on to the, to the big show with, with, with the big boys, you know, from, from all over the world. Um, so I will literally fight anyone, that, anyone that's going to help push me up the rankings. And, you know, I, I, had a, I had a good win in my last fight against a guy who... Although he lost the fight before, he gave a ranked opponent in, in Chico Vera. A tough time, a lot tougher time than he gave me. So I'm more than confident I can compete with the top 10, 15 guys. But I know um, only being 1-0 in the UFC, I've got to sort of build my stock a little bit. Then I've got to pick up some wins before they're going to start premiering with guys who can push me up the rankings. So, you know, anyone that's a sort of similar level to me in the sense of, you know, they, they've got a lot of hype about them. You know, people are talking about them. There's a lot of buzz around them. So someone that's similar to me in a sense of I can fight them, beat them and steal their right to, to push me on a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, Dana seemed uh, impressed by your debut because I, I was just, like, when I was preparing for this, I was having a look and, like, and I watched the fight again. And, um, like, he was he straight away, he's on all over the BBC and TalkSport and all these places in the UK. Like, he's calling you the most exciting prospect in you know, coming out of the UK, that's got to be um, kind of a confidence boost as, you know, the dominant win, obviously, but like hearing the boss man speak so highly of you as well. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's some guys I know of, I, I know of like American guys and stuff like that in the UFC who've been in there sort of for five or six fights and they've never, you know, Dana doesn't know who they are and, and you know, they've never spoke to him. Whereas even before I stepped in the cage, he did an Instagram video and a tweet, you know, about me saying, like you said, you know, the, the next big thing coming out of the UK. So to, to know that the, the right guys are watching and uh, the right people are talking about me, then yeah, it's a, it's a big confidence booster. Um, hopefully the performance, you know, helped solidify yeah. his, his, uh, his opinion of me being the artist prospect in the UK. So hopefully now he, um, he can get behind me a little bit and, uh, push me into the American scene as well. It'd be nice to go over there and, um, you know, show that us British boys and us Welsh boys we're capable of beating the Americans as well. It's, you know, there's a bit of um, a stereotype that we're a little bit behind the Americans, but, you know, I beat an American in my last fight, in my first fight in there, who comes from the, the biggest gym in the world, in AKA, or one of the biggest gyms. So we might be a small little country with some small gyms, but uh, we, we stack full of talent and we, we can compete with the best of them. Absolutely. So uh, the next question is, it's a bit of a kind of a long one. It says, um, "Who do you think wins out of McGregor, Cerrone, and Khabib and Ferguson, and why?" Uh, McGregor, Cerrone. I think obviously, the longer the fight goes on, then obviously, like based on past experience, you you would say you probably favour Cowboy in the sense of McGregor has looked a little bit tired over five rounds. But stylistically, I think um, McGregor is all wrong for Cowboy then. As good as Cowboy striking is, I think he not struggles, but he he's he's less he's less tactically sound when he's put on the back foot. You, you see it with Darren Till, you've seen it with Masvidal. When someone sort of starts walking him down, 
and catching him, then that that's when he tends to get caught with the big shots. And you know, McGregor's style is is fast paced. You know, walks people down. He knows he's got dynamite in his hands. So I think McGregor's going to end up catching him. I think um, first or second. Don't be right. I love the I love him more, so I love to see it be a big five round war where you know it's back and forth and, it, and it's a strike. You know, a technical striking battle because they're two of the best strikers in the division. But um, if I'm honest, I think Cowboy as well is coming sort of towards the end of his career now. His chin has been tested a little bit in his last two fights, so I think if McGregor catches him, um, then then it's game over. But again, you know, McGregor's had an, again he's had a, a what, eighteen months by the time he fights, probably out of the cage. There's another big gap between fights for him, so it'd be interesting to see whatever that um, that plays in. Yeah. Uh, I think if he's if he's if McGregor's focused and had a you know a top training camp, because I still don't think he was properly prepared for the Khabib fight just to, with all the the press he did and I just don't you know not that I'm in any position to tell a fighter that they're not preparing properly but I just think he didn't look himself he didn't look he didn't fight the way that it got him to the dance for all if the I other you know. honest, I just think he's he's a very emotionally invested like you could tell in the build up he wanted to generally kill Khabib yeah and I think style, I mean, people can say what they want about Ozzy not being prepared. I'm not doubting that, he, you know, when he got that money in the bank, he's probably not as prepared as he was when he was climbing the ladder. But I think even even in his prime, stylistically, you know, Khabib is a bad fight for him. Yeah. Anyway, with, with his take, I mean, you know, you can argue that, yeah, he didn't stand and ban, but I mean, he stood in front of him for the full third round, didn't it, one takedown, and, and, you know, he didn't get him out of there. The problem with Khabib is he's that good at what he does. He's got complete disregard for your skills. You know, if he gets yeah. onto someone for long enough, he's going to get a takedown. So, when you've got a mind, and I think his mindset compared to a lot of fighters is is very different. Um, you know, he's he, does, he doesn't even look like he's, he's considered losing. He doesn't look nervous. He just he just knows what his game plan is. He goes out and he does the same thing with every person, but there's no one yet that has been able to stop him. Um, but obviously, moving on with him and Tony. I think Tony Ferguson is, is cut from the same cloth in the sense of, uh, you know, he doesn't, I don't think losing even comes into his head. They, they're two mentally strong guys. They don't really like each other either, I don't think, so that adds to the eye. And it's one of them fights I'm 50-50 on because Khabib, I've never seen sort of, I've never seen anyone sort of put any offence on Khabib in the sense where you could say, well, he's weak in this area because, you know, he's never really been troubled. But then Ferguson... You know, he's going to press forward, which is may open up a takedown, but he's that good off his back. You know, he's, he's, he causes a lot of damage even when he's on his back. So it'll be interesting to see if Khabib can, can neutralise his grappling then and, 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 and just do his, do his thing from the top or if Tony's ground game will, you know, allow him to get up. Because Ferguson can wrestle as well. And, yeah. you know, we've seen Ferguson doesn't get tired. He, he just keeps coming yeah. and coming and coming. And the one little throw maybe that Khabib has is in the past. He has faded a little bit. As, as the fight has gone on, not not to the sense where he's blown up his ass, but you know you've seen him get a little bit tired, and someone like Ferguson is a bit like uh, the Diaz is in that sense. I think if he sees someone get tired, then he turns up the pressure even more, which is why, why he inflicts so much damage on his opponent. So that one I can't call a winner. I'm 50-50. And after after I keep thinking about it till April comes, and maybe sure. I'll uh, maybe I'll have a decision then. Yeah, I think it's just one of those fights in it where you could see. If- if you went, if you told me you had a time machine and you've been and you've seen who won, and you told me it was either one of them, I'd believe you, because yeah. it's like they could fight ten times, and I think it would be you know fifty fifty on the wins. It's one of them fights. It's, it's a matter of who, who, who can do what on the night, you know, and what factors come in. There's a lot of factors then that are gonna gonna 
playing on the night. And it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, looking at it, it's tough to call because they've both been that flawless the last sort of four or five years. None of them have showed any real weakness in no. the game. So it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to pinpoint an area where any of them could, you know, find trouble, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, going back to the McGregor-Cerrone fight, I think one of the things which Connor does really well is he creates these weird angles when he's uh, striking, particularly coming from the left side. And I think that might trouble Cowboy a bit. But like you say, if it goes a bit longer, you could see Cowboy then perhaps getting that bit, you know, he's a bit, got a maybe better conditioning or something. I, I'm not sure. Connor just, even even though, like I'm sure Connor's conditioning is very, very good because he's a top athlete, he just, he does look, after the initial sort of three rounds, he just does seem to tire. He's one of them athletes, I think. He's like a, what they call a fast twitch athlete then. So his conditioning could probably be as, as, as top level as it can be. I am, you know, no one's, no one's ever doubted that he's, you know, he's not unfit because he's obviously tra- trains his ass off. But I think he's that, he's that powerful then and his, his muscles are that fast twitch that without sort of trying to give a lot about. But when he's throwing these shots, there's that much power coming in. And I think naturally, obviously his muscles sort of tire a little bit and maybe that's what fat is in. But on the flip side, although he looked tired uh, in the second Diaz fight again, he managed to, to come through with a bit of a second win and pull out the win there. So it'll be an interesting fight. If he doesn't land the shot sort of early on in the first two rounds, I'm, I'm being intrigued to see how the third, fourth and fifth play out. But I think as long as he's in the first two rounds, he's capable of pulling Cowboy away. And I, you know, whereas I don't think for the first two rounds, Cowboy will sort of danger him in the sense of putting it to bed. But as if, again, as the fight goes on, that's where Cowboy becomes more dangerous, especially looking at um, uh, the Ayaquinta fight. He sort of got stronger as the fight went on and got sharper as the later rounds come into the play. Yeah. Um, and then I know someone else asked, if, um, if McGregor wins and Khabib wins, can, they said, can Connor beat Khabib and how in the rematch? I don't think really that, that there's a way. I mean, I see a lot of people on Twitter and I'm a big fan of McGregor myself. I've been for years. Maybe, you know, is he's gone a bit off the rails a little bit the last couple of years and some of the things he's done, it, it, you know, it is tough to get behind him. But yeah. fighting-wise, you can't not be a fan of his style, the way the, the, the level he's at then on the feet especially. And even, even in his wrestling, like, you know, you've seen he had a lot more He's had a lot more success defending a takedown against Khabib than anyone else, but ultimately, he's still, as good as his defence was for a little bit of the fight, he still couldn't stop the end takedown. So, if I'm honest, if I, I think if him and Khabib rematch, maybe he'd have a little bit more success early on, but I just don't see how it goes any other way. And if I'm honest, is you know, McGregor done the, the old title thing and had the belt and, and been... The, the king of two divisions. I'd be more interested in seeing him fighting Diaz again and, and Masvidal, seeing him in fights that are going to be exciting and, you know, fights like, at the Super fights, super fights. Yeah, f- fights that the fans want to see rather than, you know, just putting him in the I know that makes more sense in the UFC with the money and stuff, but like I said, I'd be more interested. I think, and if I'm honest, I think they iron up the Masvidal fight. That's why they've put this fight at welterweight because they get a win now. They can argue the case of, well, he's had another win at welterweight. Let's, Let's chuck yeah. him in against Masvidal, and that's a fight that you know you ain't gonna. I don't think you'll meet anyone that don't want to see that fight. They announced oh, yeah. that that's got potential, especially after the year Masvidal's had to be the biggest, the biggest draw sort of in, in US history. Because I can't imagine them two going to be each other in the build-up either. So, I mean, no, they've already started, haven't they? Yeah, they, they've had some slight digs. 
and I think yeah, I think uh, that's like a real special fight. Another fight I'd like to see Connor have would be against Ferguson. I I would love to see that. Yeah, no, yeah. Again, that's another one. That's another fight I'd like to see, uh, just because of the style of it. They, you know, Ferguson just stand and bang, wouldn't they? Ferguson is prone to get an hit, but he's he's a tough fucker. So it'd be interesting sure. to see if um, you know, if he can pull him away, or if he can't pull him away, what happens when he gets back up and he doesn't get tired? There's, again, there's a lot of factors and. For me, that's what makes a fight is when you've got all these factors of McGregor gets tired a little bit early, Ferguson is fit as they come, but then you've got Ferguson is prone to getting clipped, whereas McGregor is, is elite with his striking and, and can tag anyone at any time. So when, when, when a fight's made like that stylistically, that, that's a lot more exciting, I think, than a, than a McGregor and Khabib rematch. Yeah, well, it's spot on, mate. Um, okay, let's get see some more questions. Uh, so we got, uh, if you could pick up any fighter, past or present, to face in your first main event, who would it be? Uh, funny enough, it's, it's not like the star of the lineup, but i just seen, um, obviously, Frankie Edgar is, is dropping to, to Bantamweight, and I've been a massive fan of his from about, probably, I don't know, probably 15 years of age. I was probably 15 when he first came on, on his title run at lightweight, and, you know... There's not many people I fanboy, but I think if I if I seen Frankie Edgar, I would have a fanboy moment. But you know, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, if he's still about, he may not. And on the end, in a couple of years, because he's had such a good career and such a long career. But me and him at, at, at bantamweight, I think it'd be a fun fight. And you know, yeah. to fight a legend like uh, someone I've looked up to, there, one of my heroes, I suppose, as a kid coming up, always liked his attitude. He's humble. Because on great fights, and then it'd be an honour to share the cage with him. So never say never. Yeah, Dana, Dana White, get that, get that done. Frankie Edgar versus Jack Shaw. I'd like, I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so uh, Johnny asks, uh, who would win out of you and Brett Johns, and would you fight each other? <laughs> Tell Johnny it'd be a draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to fight Brett. Um, me and him are, are very pally. Uh, we do a bit of training together. Um, coming up as an amateur, like I had one or two pro fights, and Brett was always really good to me. I'd, you know, at the time, I think he was the Titan champ or the Cage Warriors champ. Had me down the gym as an amateur, helping me improve uh, sparring stuff. I always sort of took me under his wing a little bit, you know, always supporting me online, everything like that, and vice versa. I got a lot of time for Brett. Locked up to him for a long time, and still do in this game. You know, he's great fight there. He's one of the first ones that proved that the, the Welsh guys can wrestle, that we can compete with the the top guys all over the world. And, um, you know, I, I would like to think that there's enough people in the division that we can avoid uh, we can avoid fighting with each other. But, yeah, I got, you know, big, big fan of Brett's and what, what you've done for Welsh MMA along with the likes of Jack and John has, has laid the path for people like myself and the boys coming through. So, you know... It'd be a shame to have to fight him for for everyone else's pleasure. Then, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think Johnny's trying to stir up trouble myself. Johnny's trying to stir up. Trouble. He's trying to yeah. trying to get an all Welsh fight. <laughs> but it's got to be difficult, isn't it? Like, especially when you've got like if you've got friends in the same weight class, and you know the time might come where they want to match you against each other. It's gonna be difficult, isn't it? But like, have you ever had to fight anyone? Like. Uh, who you're like friendly with or pretty like not like, not close to but like like genuinely friends with rather than just knowing a passing capacity yeah no never never in um, in MMA I remember the grappling tournaments me and me and a couple of my mates when obviously coming up as kids we'd enter and 
I fought yeah. a couple of teammates a couple of times in jiu-jitsu, but it's different then, you know, it's like having a, you know, it's like having a role in the gym. I, you know, I could never fight one of my, my teammates and someone who I, you know, when the boys fight, I'm more nervous for them than I am for myself. So to have to step in there and fight them, I, I, could, I couldn't do it, you know. And for years I've had, in my gym, there's a lot of bantamweights. There's me, Josh Reed, uh, Chris Edwards was a bantamweight for a long time. Martin McDonald was a bantamweight for a long time. So there's a lot of us floating about the same weight and you know we've always we've always avoided fighting each other and I think we always will the the bond we got um in the gym is more of a family bond then rather than just you know just teammates we all yeah we all generally want each other to succeed and and, and do well so I can never never fight one of them under the lights and I'll, I'll, I'll save that for people I don't know <laughs> um okay let's fly through some of these questions uh AJ or Fury Fury absolutely couldn't agree more. If you could fight anyone from any era, who would it be? Any weight or? Uh, it says any era, but there's another question now in a minute about any weight. Any era. Uh, let's go Frankie Edgar again. I, I know we, we, we're still about the same time, but you know he was in his peak, I think, about five, six years ago. So let's, let's go with Frankie Edgar. Yeah, you won that fight, didn't you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I don't know if I really want it. I don't think I do want it because I look at Bibbs so much. But yeah. when you when you talk about uh, what's the saying, you, you know you 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 keep going till your idols become your rivals. That that's the one example that shines through it in a division. There's no one else in the division then that I sort of think of. You know, I looked up to them as a kid coming through. Is Frank Yeager is, is a legend in the game. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is, it's um, well, if you're like a, such a big fan of him, it's like you don't want to end his career, do you? So, <laughs> yeah. like in that sense, no, I don't mean like like uh, you know like a na- like nasty. No, I know what you're saying. He's coming towards the end of his career, like, and if you give him a bit of a whooping, that's it, probably, isn't it? And then it's like, or you can give me a, we can be a bit, give me a bit of a whooping, and perhaps I don't like him as much. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you could fight, uh, there you are. If you could fight uh, a current fighter from any weight, who would you fight? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, let me think. I got to try and think. Is anyone I don't like? <laughs> Probably, uh, even let's go TJ Dillashaw just because of all the the, the PDs and the blood doping and all that shit. You know, I think I think he should be banned for life. If I'm honest, I don't I don't see how you can get caught blood doping. Like what happened with Lance Armstrong? Yeah, you know, he, they banned him for life. So I think the shit, same. I think this, the same should apply. Anyone caught using steroids or blood doping, they, they should be gone for life. They shouldn't get a second second roll of the dice. So it'd be nice to um, you know, he might put it on me again, but it'd be nice to mm-hmm. get on with him and. And sort of, but I think again, there'll be a lot of people in my division who want to crack at him just to sort of get back at him for, for you know, even trying to, you know, the fact he hadn't even denied it, he openly admitted he did it. So it's like, you know, it? he, he's done it knowing full well, knowing exactly what he was doing, knowing it was illegal, and hoping that he didn't get caught and, you know, he's come back to bite him on the arse. So I think he lost a lot of fans the last two years on, um, on what happened. I don't think no one will be interested to see him come back either. No, I think the only thing people would be interested in is seeing him get a paste in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I, um, like, to me, like, I, anyone who's doing, like, PEDs, I just, I lose so much respect for him. But then I th- I was thinking about, I was reading about it the other week, and it was like, blood doping, to me, is like taking it up another level. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like... You know, like... I, I've never done it, so I don't know what, but I've been told it's, it's the equivalent then of, you know, you have a Saturday and Sunday off, you wake up Monday, you're fresh, your daisy, you feel like you can do 10-mile run, 
you could do your weights, you could do four sessions or five sessions in a day. And I've been told with the blood doping, you sort of do it, then you wake up the next day exactly the same way. So you feel like you could go and run a marathon. So that's not it's not fair on everyone else. Obviously, fight camp and training three times a day, six days a week when we're in camp weighs on all of us. But that's just part of the game, you know, pushing through when you're tired. You know, it's, it's a dangerous sport as it is. So we don't need to have people cheating and, and you know, getting an unfair advantage in a, in a sport where physical harm can be done. It's, they should just ban them for life. I don't understand the, the, the two-year ban. Um, the two-year ban sentence when they tried to ban um, Nick Diaz for five years for smoking weed. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it's, it's fucking stupid, that is, isn't it? So, <clears throat> I know you're, um, you're pushed for time and stuff, so we're not going to get through all the questions because there's just so many of them. <laughs> so I knew that. But I knew there was a chance of that. So I'm going to try and pick out some of the good ones. Um, what we got? Who's the greatest MMA fighter of all time? Uh, and who's the greatest UK MMA fighter of all time? Uh, the greatest of all time is is probably, I would say, uh, John Jones. But then you've got to give GSP his props as well. Um, you know, again, clean athlete. Then when was the greatest welter of all time. I had four years off, come back and, and won the middleweight belt. And now there's talk of him coming back and, and fighting Khabib. So, as far as MMA athletes go, you've got to give GSP. Uh, but, you know, skill-wise, John Jones is undoubtedly, you know, level, levels above him. I, the only thing that, that sort of brings Aaron down a bit is obviously the um, the, pe- the PED accusations. But I know there's talk of him saying now that, that something went wrong there with the test or whatever. But that's that's someone else's story to tell. Um, and the, the greatest UK has got, obviously, got to go with Bispin. Um, First ever UK UFC champion was on the verge of winning it so many times and, and didn't didn't do it and then to, to do it towards the end of his career, you know, he's without a doubt the uh, the greatest we've ever had to come from the aisle. Yeah, spot on. The one thing I'd say about John Jones is if it comes out or turns out that he, you know he's he's never taken PEDs, isn't it? You know, and it was a mistake, kind of the the other side's mistake. I think that's real bullshit. Like. Because he's going to be tired with that no matter what, yeah, exactly. forever. That, People... the, that, is, that is the other problem with the, the old drug testing fiasco is, you know, they need to get something in place where you can 100% confirm it or not. You know, did he do it or didn't he do it? Because like you said, despite what happens now in his career, he could go up and win the heavyweight belt and then drop down and win the middleweight belt. He'd, he'd still be tired as, yeah, but he took steroids. Where if he hasn't done it, then it's, it's a bit shit for him. Well, the thing is, most people... If you ask them, like, who's the greatest fighter of all time, they say John Jones, but, and there's always a but, it's because they associate, like, not just that, but like that, plus the other stuff which has gone on with him. So it does take away people's opinion of, like, his career overall. But we'll see. I guess we'll see where it goes. Right. So I'm going to do now, just before we finish off, I'm going to skip down to the bottom, which is the other questions. So they're a bit more random. So uh, what have we got? Biggest prick you've ever met in the fighting world? <laughs> Biggest prick I've ever met? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really met many bad bad people. In, um... Do you know what? Brett Johns said the same thing. He said yeah, the majority of the people I've met are all yeah, pretty sound. Like The majority of sound is there's some people with bad attitude and stuff like that. But as far as meeting on a personal level, I, I don't think I've, I've met many, many Romans. <laughs> Oh, there we go. So, uh, most famous person in your phone contacts? Most famous person in my phone contacts is either going to be probably Gary Lockett, the Pocket Rocket, or um, 
probably even Marshall or Brett Johns. They're the only other two I've got on my phone. That's famous. So when you win, uh, when you win your next fight up in Vegas yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. Yeah. collect a few more, then can you? Or maybe I tell you, uh, Ross Moriarty as well. Yeah, he's up there as well on the Welsh that's for a, the Welsh that's a, boys. That's, that's a good a, one. That's a big one as well. Yeah. Uh, so this guy, uh, oh, it's girl. I do apologise. Peaches says, uh, Jack, congratulations on your UFC win. I'm struggling for good stuff on Netflix at the moment. Can you recommend me three good films and three good TV shows? Three good films. Right, let's go with what I watched recently. Um, last night I watched Daddy's Own Tour, which had me in stitches. Uh, so go with that. Uh, what's, what's the new one on there I watched the other night? Um, Braven is another one. Is a, is a new Netflix one that, that, that's pretty good. Um, and I don't know if it's on Netflix, but a classic. One of my favourite films is The Watch with uh, Jonah Hill and Vince Vaughn. If you're, if you're into stupid comedies and got stupid sense of humour like me, that's a good one. TV shows, you've probably seen them, but Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, and Stranger Things. Good shout. I haven't seen the latest uh, latest series of Stranger Things yet. I keep going to watch it, and I get distracted. Well, I'm I'm power, get... You go have a fork on Power as well. Track that in a minute. That, I've heard that's supposed to be good. I haven't watched that's that yet. Yeah. I love Power. What do you think of uh, the Breaking Bad film? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I think it was somewhat nothing, really. Well, they, they, they could have done a lot more with it. They left it a bit long, I think, to... To, to bring it out, so it was a little bit of a lay down. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of um, because we've been there on and think you know for years that Walter Walt White might be alive, and I yeah. pretty much shut it down to this. So, uh, it's a shame. I was gutted as, as a the 18 year old of me was uh, was disappointed in that one, yeah. I think it was basically like a epilogue on it, just like an yeah. extra episode to t- tell you what happened to Jesse, but um, I thought it was all right, but uh, okay, uh, last. Go on, then we'll finish off on these then. Uh, what's the worst thing you've ever done? The worst what? Worst thing you've ever done. Worst thing I've ever done. All right, I, I got a bit of questions. When I, was, when I was 13, I sat in a computer chair like this and I was on my old uh, PC in the house and for whatever reason, I had a drawing pen between my teeth like this. So I was swinging about on the chair like a dick and I'd go back and I need to lose balance on the chair. So I rocked forward and gone and sucked the drawing pen in my Christ. swallowed it. Um, went all the way down, straight to A&E, um, they said, oh, you'll be fine, it'll just come out the other end, sent me home, it was Halloween, so I come home then from an Halloween party, I was only about 14, I had a phone call off the hospital, you need to come straight down, it could pierce your bowels, so straight down in the middle of the night, fortunately, it just passed through and come out the next morning with no damage done, but that was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done, and my old man, uh, likes to not let me forget it, either when we've been company. Oh, yeah, random. This is just random. Uh, it says, with the election literally taking place as we speak, and the only choice we have are liars and cheats, would you consider getting into politics when you retire? <laughs> I don't think politics is for me. I, uh, I got zero interest in it. I should have more interest in what I've got, but the, the question sums up they all lie, liars and, and cheaters and deceiving fuckers. So, uh, you know. I think we're, you're, you're, we're doomed either way. None of them will do what they're going to say they're going to do. So that's why I don't let myself get too emotionally invested in it. One bit of advice I have got for people, though, is if you're going to be into politics and you're going to preach the, the policies and all this and that, do a little bit more research than just scrolling your Facebook feed. Because I see so many Facebook politicians 
who think they know everything and a lot of lot of stuff they're posting is bullshit. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be into it and, and take it seriously, go and do some tidy research online rather than just scrolling Facebook and Instagram and taking in quotes that were probably never said. Yeah, well, what people do is they just try and find stuff which matches up with what they want to say yeah. or what they believe, and they don't check if it's actually happened or if it's true. And, and let's be honest, this is my other this is my other thing on it. How many people do you actually think are going to read your Facebook essay and change their mind on who they're going to vote for? Nine times out of ten, or ninety nine percent of the time, people know who they're voting for anyway. So they, you you arguing with people on Facebook and preaching preaching to people who don't don't care isn't going to change any minds anyway. Yeah. So let people make their own mind up. That's it, mate. That's it. Right. I know you've got to go. So um, tell the people, uh, Jack, where they can find you on social media and stuff. And uh, if you've got anything coming up. Give yeah, you can look. find me on um, Instagram and Twitter. It's Jack Show MMA and it's Jack Tank Show is my Facebook page. Uh, don't add my personal account because I'm full up with friends and I'll have to <laughs> sadly decline everyone. But uh, everything I post on my my Instagram goes on my Facebook fan page as well. So, so follow me on there. Um, nothing confirmed fight-wise yet. Hoping to get out early next year, March April time. So any any news you'll 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 be kept updated all right. Excellent. Uh guys, you can follow me on Twitter at acecast underscore nation, facebook.com slash acecast nation. Uh please give us a follow on social media because it helps us continue to grow the channel. And uh we've had some awesome guests from the from the MMA world. Obviously, we've got a podcast on football every week with the championship uh, show and plenty of other shows including the Danny Button MMA show which is recorded on Sunday after the big UFC card on the weekend which we didn't even get to talk about which is a mental card on Saturday I can't wait for it maybe we'll um, do a recap we'll, we'll get Sunday out of the way perhaps we'll do a recap one day yeah yeah one day after we'll, we'll, we'll do a post fight show yeah yeah we should do it and we'll get we'll get through all the rest of these questions then as well. yeah yeah definitely cool guys Give um, the YouTube channel a follow because that is the the best way to support the channel. It helps us the fastest and quickest way. It's youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, if you prefer to listen to the shows, obviously we've got iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Apple Pods, everywhere. Jack, thank you for joining me, mate. I really appreciate your time. No problem, mate. I'll uh, look forward to the next one. Indeed. And uh, guys, leave us a comment on the video and uh, tell us who should be next on Unscripted and Uncensored. And uh, until then, have a good Christmas and uh, we'll see you for the next episode of Ace Podcast Nation. Cheers. Podcast Network.